Hello. Welcome to Port... This is Daniel Vayon with Daniel Vayon's views of 83 Weeks and Counting. And welcome to Part 2 of The Road to Starcade 96. Starcade 96 was December 29th, 1996. So that's how I have to do two, a two-part episode on The Road to it. So I spoke about November 25th, November 2nd. Got to talk about November 9th, 16th, and the 23rd. So I'll just read it about that on the uh, on the website, ProWrestling.Fandom. All I know is that Chris Jericho had a match in this episode. Let's see. Uh, go all the way down on here to where you get to Monday Nitro. December 9th, 1996. Michael Wall Street defeated Mike Enos. Humorous defeat of the Renegade. Cruiserweight champion Dean Malenko defeated Jimmy Graffiti to keep the Cruiserweight title. Ming and the Barbarian, also known as the Faces of Fear, with Jimmy Hart in their corner, defeated the Nasty Boys. Chris Jericho defeated Bobby Eaton. Um, with the... Lion's Tamer, I believe. I believe he called it the Lion Tamer. I really, it's been so long since hearing him use it, since seeing him use it, that I forgot what they called it or what he called it. The disappointing thing in Chris Jericho's words was that these types of matches were disappointing. Not the match itself, but his character was disappointing because he didn't have a personality. And that's what he needed if it was going to carry him in this company. It would have, so in other words, it would have been bad. Match, this match, especially this match, would have been better if he had been allowed to use his personality. I just want to know if he used the, uh, 
with a lion's salt or a Boston crab is really what it's called. You know what? I'm realizing it doesn't even matter what he used to win. The fact is, he won. Next, Orrin Anderson defeated Sergeant Craig Pittman. Diamond Dallas Page defeated Jeff Jarrett in a U.S. Championship Tournament Quarterfinals match with the Diamond Cutter naturally. And Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner ended in a no contest. Then in the next next week, Lord Steven Regal defeated Psychosis to keep the TV title with three minutes and fifty two seconds left in the fifteen minute time limit. Big Bubba Rogers defeated Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chris Jericho defeated Masahiro Chono by disqualification. Dean Malenko defeated. David Timartino to keep the Royal Cruiserweight title. Ice Train defeated Jerry Flynn. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Bobby Eaton. Kevin Sullivan defeated Orrin Anderson, which that's a shock. And then Rick Steiner versus Sting ended in a no contest. Hmm. And the faces of fear... And the outsiders wrestled to a no contest. So, next, uh, Episode of Nitro was on Monday, was on the 23rd of December. Eddie Guerrero defeated Chris Benoit in a U.S. Heavyweight Title Tournament semifinal match. Lex Luger defeated Tombstone. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Mr. J.L. Glacier defeated Buddy Lee Parker. Um, the Amazing French Canadians defeated the Public Enemy by a disqualification. Big Bubba Rogers defeated Conan by disqualification. Lord Steven Regal versus Dean Malenko ended in a time limit draw in a world TV title match. And Jeff Jarrett defeated Rick Steiner. Because this was the last Nitro episode before Starcade, I'll read the other segments. They conduct. Gene Okerlund conducted an interview in the aisle with all four members of the Horsemen, including Steve McMichael's wife at the time, Deborah McMichael, with Orrin saying Benoit wasn't focused and that's why he lost his match earlier in the show. Orrin then said he took a beating from Sullivan the previous week because Benoit wasn't around to take it himself. 
After Orn asked Benoit where woman was, Deborah insulted a woman and called her damaged goods. Benoit said he and woman were in Germany tending to horseman business, then told Steve to talk to the hand when he tried to intervene once Benoit turned his attention to Deborah and her comments. Claire said woman deserved a weekend with Benoit after living with Sullivan ten years and said he tended to reunite the horsemen and have them par party for the holidays. Then they included an entering promo by heavyweight champion Hollywood Hogan alongside Ted DiBiase, Vincent, and Elizabeth, in which he cut a promo on facing Roddy Piper at Starcade. Hogan then said that Piper, Savage, and Flair were nothing compared to him and dared Piper to come out and face him that then and there, knowing he wasn't really in the building. Then they featured an announcement that the coming weekend, Saturday night, would be a year-in-review edition. And the reason he wasn't there was probably because he was on set for his... Right, Pipe, the reason Piper wasn't in the building was because he was probably in the, at, in the set for his newest movie, which they showed a trailer after the these two segments for his new movie called Marked Man. And they fe also featured a clip from the previous week of Sting dropping the NWO Sting with a in reverse DDT and fighting off members of the Horsemen and Rey Mysterio Jr. when they attacked him near the closing of the show. Now that I do remember seeing. They included an ad promoting the Outsiders t-shirt. They featured a closing entering promo by Hogan, in which Hogan claimed Piperson and word that he admitted Hogan was the true icon of wrestling, again knowing Piper wasn't in the building. Piper's music then began playing with Eric Bischoff walking out dressed like Piper, this time with a red and yellow Hulkamania t-shirt on. The rest was uh, was dressed like Piper. They killed the bagpipes till they were they were definitely mocking him. And he pretended to be Piper and he told Hogan that he had no right to be in the ring with him at WrestleMania and wanted to go ahead and have the match with him then and there. Patrick then came out to officiate as Piper laid down for Hogan. Patrick made the three count. As, quote, Piper said Hogan was the reason he had a house and was able to feed his family. A bagpipe band came ringside playing Scotland the Brave with, a with Piper eventually walking past them, entering the ring and fighting with Hogan until members of the NWO ran out. Real Sting was then shown watching from the rafters as the entire NWO assaulted Piper with security then running out to break up the attack as the show ended. Okay, let me see. Okay. 
Okay, that's all I have to say right here, and I'll talk about the rest on Anchor's, on the Anchor, uh, app. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello, this is Daniel Vaillant with uh, Daniel Vaillant's views of 83 weeks and accounting. I'm going to continue talking about Jeff Jarrett and WCW and then in the WWF in 97. But right now I'm going to go back to talking about Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw. Uh, Night After World War Three was what I want to talk about. November 18th, 1996. Lex Luger and Arn Anderson are also to a double countout in a match for the U.S. title tournament. As I recall, November 25th was, um, the night after, um, World War Three. so, go to November 25th, and I believe that was, um, what I was just talking about, so let me make sure of that. Yeah. So, after that match happened, out came uh, Eric Bischoff. This was exactly one night after he had a. <clears throat> he had he and Hogan had embarrassed Roddy Piper in a contract signing where <clears throat> they spray where one of them spray painted NWO on uh, Roddy Piper's. <clears throat> hip, the place, the hip, which has the replacement in it. And he came out and he had explained why he joined the NWO. And he said, I could still move my toes around the next, the morning after getting powerbombed by Kevin Nash. And I said, do I want to be consumed by this or do I want to be a part of it? And he said, I'm the highest ranking executive, not just in NWO, but in all of WCW. 
with all of you people that are not in the NWO, y'all have exactly one month from today to convert your contracts, WCW contracts, into NWO contracts. So, so you're either with us or you're against us. So out came Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And he was telling Scotty Riggs, you're not going to talk me out of this. So he walked in and he joined, walked in the ring and he joined the NWO. Next thing you know, after hugging uh, Scotty Riggs and telling him goodbye, he lets Scotty Riggs turn around and gives him a neck breaker. To really solidify that he's not just supporting the NWO for for um for financial security he's in he's in NWO for his own sake too. Meaning he saw his career is going nowhere, so he thought this was the only way he could get he could get going forward in his career or advance in his career. In the next match D D P hit Disco Inferno with the uh, Diamond Cutter to beat him. Lord Steven Regal beat Tony Pina or Pina. I think it's Pina though. Pina to keep the TV title. Main Gene interviewed Rick Steiner and Rick Steiner said that there's himself and his brother have been in uh, Scott have been in uh, Japan wrestling for WCW. And he said that he and himself and Roddy Piper and several other WCW men are WCW through and through. But he can't couldn't believe what Sting was doing, and he couldn't believe what how Marcus Bagwell had turned and joined the NWO. And said how they're, they're going to be unstoppable because. Of himself and his brother and Piper and all these other people standing for WCW. They go to a break, but before they go to the regular commercial break, they do a promo for the Outsiders' new T-shirt. Next, Eddie Guerrero beat Conan in a match in the U.S. title tournament. So he advances in the tournament. Rick Steiner was hit with uh, Scorpion Death Drop, as it was called later on by The Real Sting. And because it was behind the referee's back, the referee didn't see anything. Big Bubba got in there, ran, may ran, literally splashed, literally ran to make a splash onto Rick Steiner, and he pinned him for the victory. The next match, Rey Mysterio Jr. went against Psychosis. Evidently, um, Mysterio won. Hmm. 
Okay, he was given a, a body slam by psychosis. The I'm actually amazed at how the guillotine leg drop that before even calling it the guillotine leg drop, he used to use the leg drop onto his opponent from the top rope while they were laying down. Got a feeling they call the guillotine because he used to hit it on his opponents when they were in between the ropes. So he just hit a regular leg drop from the top rope and Mysterio kicks out. Gonna go for a version of the Outsider's Edge. Gets caught with the Frankensteiner release. Hooks goes for the cover. Looks like two, three. Ray Mysterio wins this match. Minji, by the way, who uh, Ultimate or Ultimate Dragon was, uh, I guess you could call it scouting this match for the time when he's gonna have to face Ray Mysterio Jr. Actually, he had just beaten Rey Mysterio Jr. the night before, so he just wanted to scout him in case he had to face him again. Next segment was me and Gene Okerlund interviewing Chris Benoit. It looked like he got a black eye in his recent match with Kevin Sullivan. And it was for you, sir. Take a look. Sullivan, take a good look. Okay, uh, next, uh, already spoke about the next match in my last episode. Uh, I don't really know won the match, so I gotta, I gotta rewind that. 
think uh, Jeff Jarrett won the match with the bigger four. Oh yeah, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett stopped on the figure four to win this match. That's for sure. Main event: Harlem Heat went against uh, Faces of Fear. Okay, it's uh one two four, so now I have to uh Um so I have to go back to the end. Okay, so they, they got interrupted by the NWO, so this was a no contest. Okay. What I am, uh. No, what I'm looking forward to. Is that when uh, they just reveal if um, 
if the Giant chooses um, <clears throat> to challenge Hogan for the heavyweight title or not at, uh, you know, with this victory at World War Three. First match in this episode, December 2nd, 1996, was Glacier against Hardy Body Harrison. I think he won that match. Harrison, as I figured, he lost to Glacier. Amazing French Canadians go against Renegade and Joe Gomez. This match also the amazing French Canadians did. Today's day and age, I'm amazed, even for that time, I'm amazed that uh, Renegade did not get himself and his team disqualified, because he was the illegal man, and he he moves the referee around so that he could help his partner just have enough room so he could tag himself in. Today, I think he would have gotten, gotten disqualified. Gets tagged in though by his tag team partner. Renegade with a 
tag team combination. Well, it's more like an assisted uh, top rope senton from uh, Bay Ulet from with an assist from uh, from Rujo. Faces of Fear goes against Robert Gibson and Scotty Riggs next. Let's see at the how this match ends. Agden Gibson, let's see if they even came close to winning this match. Actually, yeah, I was amazed at that. They lose because of a boot to the face. Faces a fair win. Next, uh, Kevin Sullivan goes against KC Sunshine. So, I did uh, go to the next scene because I, because I uh, just wanted to see how this ended. So he has something to say in response to Chris Benoit. to let it play. I don't know why it's not playing. 
I'm just gonna pause this. Okay, let's just continue this. I don't. I guess I got to. Uh. I guess I gotta play the interview with Kevin Sullivan just to know what he has to say in response. They shall replay the finish. Comes right here. Running across the ring. Looks like a running into the gut of his opponent. Uh, over the turnbuckles. And they, I don't know if he did the running foot, fist out over the stomach or not. But he did make a pin. Got the win. Let's see what he has to say to uh, to me, to me, Gene Oakland. Billy Kidman comes against Dean Malenko next. I think Dean Malenko wins with, uh, by submission against, uh, with, by, by submission with the Texas Cloverleaf.
Yeah, one with the Texas Club where they fall right. He was taking pictures of this whole match. What does he do? He walks him right into Dean Malenko and he blinds him with a flash. With, uh, while taking his picture. Dean Malenko blocked the shooting star press with the knee that he puts the. Uh, Texas Cloverleaf on him, expertly applied. He makes him submit. Believe next, Big Bubba loses to Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, he drop kicked that megaphone in his face, like I said before. America's Automotive Super Center. They have everything but gas. Half them boys. Well, you can help them out there. <laughs> Jared goes in for the cap. One. Continues his win streak. Then Scott and Rick Steiner next want an answer from Sting. Sneak attack! 
And they cut to a commercial of the Outsiders t-shirt. What I really found interesting was a few months ago, may have been, may have been longer than a few, it could have been several months ago, I, found, I saw on Twitter an old, an old picture of Shawn Michaels from around this time. He actually wore uh, his own Outsiders t-shirt. He must have bought that to support them on on the internet or something. Or on, on the phone, because he could still order by phone in those days. So, I found that really interesting, because things were, that had become so... Uh, the rivalry had gotten so hot between them, the companies, that I would find it very, I think it would be, even though they're friends, I would think that it would be very, um, taboo to wear your best friend's, uh, merchandise from the other company. So that's why I find it interesting. See if this is a new one or is it the same one. Next, the NWO, Bischoff, Hall, and Nash take over the announcer's table. Squire David Taylor goes against Eddie Guerrero. Next, uh, Jim Powers goes against Arn Anderson.
Kicks in the midsection by Jim Powers. Jim Powers putting up a hit for the fighter. You know what, guys? Arn Anderson would not be a bad addition. He chooses his friends. Well, I don't know. Hey, he better choices. Let's put it anyway. He said it months ago, back at Disney MGM. The limo pulled up and everybody thought Flair was inside. Arn Anderson came out and peeked in the tinted windows at night. Couldn't <laughs> say anything, but he didn't try the door. And Arn wants you to know, had you tried the door, buddy, for a guy of your caliber, it'd be open. Elbow drop, nobody there. Jim Powers makes his way up to his feet into the corner. And how about our... Oh, something was very... Uh... Uh, nice, it's got all to put Arn Anderson over like that. Talk about how he had a, from what it sounded like he was saying that Arn Anderson had a high caliber. <laughs> or a high caliber athlete, high caliber at fighting or something. Stinger! Oh, Stinger! Two nights of the oh, night! Oh, man. I mean, two nights. You know, I was hoping he was feeling good about it, man. He's feeling good about it. You know, we missed his Sting. It's gotta be over. Not now. Doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Looks like egg. two, three. Lord Stephen Regal defends the TV title next. This could have been when he lost the title to uh, Prince Ikea. Actually, it's against Chris Benoit. But like I said, there's a, there's a little catch, Hmm. 
this must have not been for the TV title because I think as long as it's taking to get to a finish, I think it would pass the 15 minute mark. I think this was just a regular one on one match. I think he wins with a, I think he wins with this move right here, a full Nelson suplex, gets a three count. In, one half of Public Enemy goes against Lex Luger, that's Rocco Rob. Then Rick Steiner goes against Sting at the, in the main event. Obviously, one with the one this match with the torture act. Let's appreciate the artistry. Drum roll, please. Let me see if we can pick it up. Uh, 
She's letting him, if we give him a free shot in the back, clothesline. I think we used to call that Steiner line. Scorpion death a death drop. Anthem the bat again. What? What's he doing here? I mean, I grew up with during this, but I don't remember ever saying this. So, really surprising to me. Scott stops him, grabs the bat, his older brother, throws it on the mat. It was really great writing, and the beauty part is just like the Horseman uh, name. Came up from Arn Anderson. The whole Sting, Crow Sting, came from, uh, idea came from Scott Steiner. I mean, Scott Hall. So, that's what makes it really great. Okay, I'm gonna have to do a two-part on this. So, so I can talk about the pay-per-view. So... Over right here. Thank you. Goodbye. Hello. This is Daniel Vale with Daniel Vale's views of 83 weeks and counting. And this, it's appropriate I call it that for this episode because talking about the Starcade 1996 pay-per-view in this episode. Start off with, they had... A unification bout for where you take the J-Crown title belts that Ultimo or Ultimate Dragon um, won in Japan. And you unify them with the WCW Cruiserweight title. Against Dean Malenko. He beat Dean Malenko with a suplex where... I forgot what kind of suplex you call it. But you would you would lock the arms in before you even executed the suplex. So that's how he beat Dean Malenko. Then Akira Fukuto, after um, her manager Sonny Ono hit Medusa in the back with the American flag, uh, Akira hit Medusa. With, uh, almost like, uh, Death Valley Driver, before it was called the Death Valley Driver. And she won the, she became, she became the first ever WCW Women's World Champion. And the next match, Jushin Thunder Liger beat Rey Mysterio Jr. With, uh, Sedal Powerbomb. 
Jeff Jarrett canned Chris Benoit in a notice qualification match after... It was really interesting. Kevin Sullivan hit uh, Benoit over the back of the head with a chair and made sure his bat, he was laid down on his back instead of his stomach. On the outside of the floor, on the outside of the ring, the enforcer Aaron Anderson was out there. He hit Jeff Jarrett with the DDT, then he threw him back in the ring. The mistake Arn Anderson made was not looking at the inside of the ring. So he expected Chris to pin him and win the match. So after the match was over, he was asked by a woman, what happened? And he said, this is your fault. And I don't know what he meant by that. Because they were both equally to blame. Anyway, the next video was a look at Sting and the NWO and how... Everybody, including the, the commentators themselves, were convinced by this time that Thing was a member of the NWO because of his actions. That's actually my favorite part of the storyline, was how you didn't know what to believe. The next, the Outsiders beat the Faces of Fear after Kevin Nash hit Barbarian with the Jackknife Powerbomb to keep the heavyweight title. In the back, Hogan cut a promo with Ted DiBiase holding a microphone and doing the interviewing. He claimed he was going to beat him in the ring. And they said that you could tell by all the words, he, everything he was saying, you could tell he was afraid of Roddy Piper. And when we talk about, when I talk about the heavyweight title match itself, I'm going to show you what I mean. I think I still have, I think the audio is still on in, in this video, so I'll just press play. Crinkled, it looked pretty nice to me. <clears throat> and it's not a skirt, it's a kilt. <laughs> Scotland, we call that a kilt. <laughs> if it was a dress, it would look strange. It doesn't look strange. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do that just for fun. I don't take it seriously. <laughs> Thousands of thousands of Hollywood Hogan fans wearing my shirt 
Not for some reason, specifically because DP, but enjoying the NWO. Scott all hits him. Now the referee's back with the outsider's edge. So Eddie Guerrero hits the frog splash to win the U.S. title. Uh, the giant. The giant looks like he was going to get pinned by Lex Luger the first time. He throws Luger on top of the referee, knocks the referee out. But referee Nick Patrick tried to help him. Six Pack tried to help him, and then when Sting came out, I think they left. Well, actually, Six left, and Sting pushed Nick Patrick into the corner with his bat. So. He whispered something to Lu in Luger's ear, then he whispered something in the Giant's ear, then he left the bat in the middle of the ring. So, the Giant stepped over the bat, so to make sure the Giant didn't have any more advantage over Lex, Lex hit him in between the leg, then he hit him with the bat a couple of places, and he pinned him. He hit him in the back of the knee with the... Uh, First was in the throat, and then I think it was second was behind the leg. Then he pushed the bat out of the ring, very smart on his part. Then he pinned him to win the match. And the Giants started, he had just won the the 60-man battle royal the month before this at World War Three. so when he saw... He didn't have any of his, quote, NWO friends with him anymore. He started to slowly realize how he needed to be on his own again. Or he slowly realized the truth about how they really were. Speaking of that, 
What's interesting about Hogan versus Piper was they brought down the Giant to help him. Somehow, Roddy Piper managed to get past, um, not just get past the Giant, but he managed to get past the Giant, and he managed, after, and then he managed to put Hogan to sleep with his sleeper hold. Then he managed to get past, uh, Holland Nash with fighting. Fighting them, and he managed to get out of the ring. And the other night, speaking of Viper and his ability to fight and everything, I told my mom how, uh, when Brock Lesnar was, quote, disrespecting himself and, uh, Hogan and Paul and Nash and, uh, Ric Flair, how two things... That Lesnar was lucky that Piper didn't try to take a swing at him. But I gotta be honest, after watching this and thinking about how old Piper was when Lesnar did that, Piper probably said to himself, like, I'm not as young as I used to be, and he's unlike anybody I've ever had to fight before. I better just go along with this. <laughs> So, that's why he led, that's why he got away with that. Because if Piper had been younger, and if his body had been younger on top of that, or more importantly, if he didn't have a hip replacement and had gone through throat cancer and everything, he might have taken that opportunity to hit Lesnar. But like my dad said, all of them could have, all it would have had to take was kick him in between the legs. That's all they would have needed. So, he put him to sleep. Uh, I actually remember the night after this, they didn't even bother showing the video of what happened. They just claimed that Hogan won. And I'm still amazed. All the people that watched the pay-per-view could see that he, he won the match. Wasn't for the title, so why did it matter if Piper won or lost? Well, I'm still wondering why he lied about this on TV. Hmm. Anyway, he won the match, and as they went off the air, the Giant didn't get in the ring to talk to them or anything. He just walked away. When Hogan got to got, he woke it up. He ran to the back. I think he was. Concerned about if the giant about the giant walking away from them, so that makes the next episode of Nitro interesting. So I hope you enjoy part one and two of the Road to Starcade '96, and I hope you enjoy this episode um, of Starcade '96 itself. Thank you and goodbye.